When Neil and I worked a 12-step program years ago, we both took on a serious commitment to continue to take personal inventory and when you're wrong, promptly admit it. This commitment has completely changed our relationship for the better, but it's not always easy and it certainly does not come naturally for me. So today we're sharing a few stories from our own marriage of how we've applied this and exactly what it looks and feels and sounds like and how it can change all of your relationships for the better too. All right, I'm here with Neil. Hi. Say hello. And we are doing back-to-back episodes today. And he was in charge of the first, but I'm in charge of the second episode. Recording back-to-back episodes. We recorded uh, one earlier today. Yes. And I did not tell him what the topic is of the second episode because I just want his off-the-cuff thoughts. So today we are going to talk about step 10. Okay, I'm ready. And, you know, a lot of people will talk about this. So just so you guys know, the 12 steps come from Alcoholics Anonymous and they've now been, you know, spun into so many other different addictions too, but they basically help people overcome addiction. And Neil and I have both worked a 12 step program and are very passionate about it. And so today we're going to talk about how step 10 is continue to take personal inventory and when you're wrong, promptly admit it. I think the original um, AA version is continue to take personal moral inventory and when you're wrong, promptly admit it. Okay. So this is a commitment that Neil and I made, you know, however many years ago, four-ish years ago, when we both, we both did our steps around the same time. And I feel like it completely changed our marriage. And we talked about that a little bit in our podcast about marriage, but we had a couple of interesting experiences over the weekend that I wanted to share with the class. Awesome. So Neil's smiling. He's like, I don't this. even know what they oh, are. Great. I'm just, this is so here's a box what happened, of chocolates right now. Right. So the, here's what happened last night when I sat down to do mint arrow meaningful Mondays, which is the longest hashtag in the history of ever. I started that seven years ago when I wasn't thinking about how long that hashtag would be, but whatever. So Every Monday for the last seven years, I've missed maybe a handful of Mondays, but seriously, I think I could count them on one hand. But anyway, we've, I've sat down, found a meaningful quotation to share someone's words who are, who's, you know, wiser, smarter, more experienced than my own and shared those and then kind of shared some thoughts too. So Uh, Last night I was looking for something that could be impactful, something that I've, a lot of times it's something I've recently studied or recently looked at. And there is a talk that I absolutely love and I know Neil loves it too. And it's called In Praise of Those Who Save. And it's by Dieter F. Uchtdorf. And he just talks about families and about marriage and, and why it's so valuable to save a family or save a marriage. And he talks about pride, which is a topic that I always need to be brushing up on. In fact, do you know what the one talk is in my gospel library? I'll, I'll load things up and delete them and move them around. But do you know what the one talk is that I always, always, always have in my gospel library? I'm going to guess it's beware of pride. Yes. As your tap pencil. It's, he knows that's my favorite talk. And I read it. I try to read it at least once a month or listen to it because I need it so badly. I need to remember that basically anytime I'm in conflict with anyone I love, it's almost always, basically always rooted in pride. 
thinking that I know better or my needs aren't being met or my thought, like the way I'm thinking through something should be considered more or whatever. So a lot of times when I'm frustrated with Neil, I will pull out that talk, beware of pride or sometimes in praise of those who save. So on Saturday, when a couple of conflicting things in our relationship happened, I think they were my fault if I remember correctly. So, so let me finish this though. I had studied that over the weekend and I was thinking about what could I share tonight? And I was like, Oh, that, that part of in praise of those who save that I read is so good. I should share that. So I pulled it out, you know, made the little quotation. And then I shared on Instagram you know, Neil and I on Saturday got into a nothing fight. And I said, I honestly can't even remember what it was about. And then I talked about how the practice of admitting when like stopping and admitting when you're wrong, as soon as you realize you're wrong has completely changed our marriage and how that's been a game changer for us. And, and, you know, suggested like, try this the next time you're frustrated with someone you love or mad at someone you love, try this. And I promise you won't regret it. And, um, so far I should look at the stats on this, but let's see. Um, 224 people have shared it and 486 have saved it. So it's obviously resonating with a lot of people, but I started thinking about it a little bit more. I mean, it seriously took me a while to think, back on what happened with us. So I'll share that in just a second. But I did share in the Mintero Meaningful Mondays post that I apologized, Neil apologized, and we were able to go have a genuinely great time on Saturday. Don't you feel like we had like this great date? We went out to dinner. We had meaningful conversation. We were in a good mood. We laughed. We held hands. We went to a movie. We laughed about how terrible it was on the way home. Um, It was an awesome date night. And I thoroughly enjoyed it where, I don't know, five or 10 years ago, maybe I would have, it could have ruined the rest of the night if I had been like, no, I'm still mad at you because I have a good reason to be mad, you know? Um, so you ready for me to remind you what happened? Uh, go ahead. Okay. Yes, remind everybody. Okay. So, cause stories are good, right? They create context. I think it helps people. <laughs> Neil's just loving this that I'm going to share these stories, but okay. Here's the first one. So we are about to turn our car in. We've leased a car for three years. The lease is up and I'm embarrassed at this one, but I'll, I, for the sake of highlighting and painting a picture, I will share this with the world of my blunder here. People okay. are going to hear this it's and be okay. like, you're I... an idiot. Okay. Why would you do that? Listen, I've done things like this too. Someone that I know and love happened to pay a lot of money for having the car detailed before we turn it in for the, <laughs> for the lease ending. And I wasn't mad about that as much. I was mad that he didn't tell me how much he paid for this detailing or that he didn't get a quote before that. And so anyway, he had the car detailed and it somehow came out like, oh, well, I just paid for that car to be detailed. And I was like, you what? You you paid for it to be detailed? How much did you pay? And then Neil told me. And then I was, I, I used my best effort to try to, um, have patience and understanding. I was bugged in the moment, but I didn't freak out. Right. That is correct. You did not freak out. Okay. So I, but I already was like, 
oh, Neil, but I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm trying really hard to be patient, to be understanding, to not be mad. And we were on the way back from taking the kids on one of our Saturday drives. They love that. We pile them into the car and drive them around somewhere. And cause it's hard to take the kids out right now with COVID and, um, and just four kids in general. So we were driving home, we had picked up lunch and that conversation kind of came out in the car, but whatever. And then we unpiled the kids from the car, got them situated with lunch, put the babies down for a nap. And then I knew that I needed to run to the grocery store to get groceries before, so that I'd be prepared for Sunday dinner. So I said, are you okay with me running to Trader Joe's? And Neil goes, yeah, that's fine. So I take off and I had to go get groceries and something else. Oh yeah. Potting soil. We were like running out of, we, I I mean, like I had no idea what I was doing when I, when we decided to pot these, uh, the mums on our front porch. And it was literally my first time potting anything. And just as my mom predicted, we ran out of potting soil. So I had to go get more potting soil. So I got that and got some groceries and, I looked at the clock and I was about to leave to come home. And I called Neil and I said, Hey, you got to get Harry up right now and feed him a bottle because he's going to be way off his schedule. And I said, do it right now. And he said, okay. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, we've got a date night coming up. I have to nurse Harry before we leave. And, um, I don't want him so far off his schedule that he won't eat when I want to feed him right before we need to leave for the date. So I didn't explain this entire psyche to Neil, what was going on in my mind. I just, this is what I was thinking, but I had called him and said, make get, get Harry up right now. So then what happened? So I got him up right then. Yeah, Johnny on the spot. Uh-huh. And, um, but apparently the part that I failed to, to do was the feeding part. That was a, a key part of the schedule that I failed to exercise my diligence on. So I walk in the house 20-ish minutes later, 25 minutes, and Neil's just shaking up a bottle. And I was like, what? You didn't feed him? And I was I was not happy. Karen was mad. I was mad. Um, so I got frustrated, and then Neil was bugged because, well, you tell your side I of the story. I don't even remember. This is the, the power of the, like, getting in fights for no solid nothing reason. Fights. Nothing fights. But... My dad uh, likes to call it a nothing burger. The frustration of, I think, being in a fight on a Saturday over things that, you know, there are grand, they're like, we've got some great things to fight over. I mean, there are <laughs> challenges in our marriage and in life that are just like, you know, can, can be so significant and take up so much bandwidth. And so I, I was getting frustrated that we were expending our um, fight energy on something that I thought was, was small. Okay. But I was frustrated because I felt like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff. I arranged the babysitter. I got the movie tickets. Like I made sure we had groceries before so that we could go out on this date. And I just needed you to feed Harry on time, but I didn't communicate the get, I mean, I did say get him up and feed him right away, but I guess I, anyway, so But this is all the stuff that if we weren't doing a podcast, we would have just forgotten all about it. But the reason why I literally couldn't remember at first when I posted that quotation last night and Neil couldn't even remember either is because what we chose to do right after this, which is make direct amends uh, whenever, as soon as immediately. Right. So basically 
we, I think we were both still kind of frustrated, but Neil came to me and said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I, I should have done what you asked right, right then. And I'm sorry that I, um, you know, wasn't more patient with you or whatever. I don't remember your exact words, but he said he was sorry. And I said, I was sorry too. I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. I, you know, I should have been more understanding. I should have explained that to you better. And I said, I already was frustrated from before and was doing my best to not let that like bottled up anger come out about something that was, I, and I try so hard and I'm not perfect at this, but I try in any situation where I'm tempted to freak out to think, is this going to matter in five months or in five years? or even sometimes even in five days, right? Like I, I try really super hard to think of that. Um, and in both of those scenarios, I was like, I'm not going to care that he got the de- car detailed or that Harry got a little bit off of his feeding schedule. Like it is all going to work out just fine. And I knew that. So, um, you know, I said, I was sorry to right away. I, I, I apologize to Neil, but it was, we were still, at least for me, I was still working through that, like kind of, like temptation to feel frustrated for the rest of the day. But it really helped soften that edge to just immediately say, you know what, I'm sorry. Um, and then we finished getting ready for the date. I got, you know, we were getting the kids situated with dinner and I fed Harry and babysitter came. And, and then by the time we got in the car and Neil said, you know, again, I'm really sorry. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like I just, I shouldn't have, gotten so upset about this. It's not a big deal. And, and we were more in a state of mind of like, I'm, I already made a small effort and like, now I'm really ready to let it go versus I think that could have gone completely the other way of like, you don't say anything and then it just festers and then it just like builds up in your mind and it just like gets bigger and bigger and you get more and more bugged. And I think it completely could have gone the other way of by the time we get in the car, we're like, do we even want to do this? Like I, you know, I'm so mad or whatever. So what are your thoughts? Well, no, I think that the the concept that definitely has changed our marriage significantly because admittedly, like that's not something that we did before. And, and I don't want to like paint some rosy picture that it's like, well, you're, this is like perfectly how it goes every time. Like where I think we still are learning how to do this and like figuring it out and, and no, but it I still takes striving, you know, to like really apply it. Um, and I think it can still be challenging. I, I don't know. I just don't want to like overly like make it, make it like, I don't know. People think that we're just got this perfect. Well, Neil's always so he's worried about like making it sound like we're, we've got it all figured out. We do not have it all figured out. But I think that following this principle, I think there is absolutely no doubt that it has changed our sure. marriage completely. Yeah. And the the principle is true. Even if absolutely. we're not perfect, yeah. the principle, it works every time. And when we do apply it, and I would say that we're pretty good about applying this regularly and, and keeping this commitment. And so let me just read the commitment. So straight out of the step 10 manual in the 12 steps in our church, the, the 12 steps that we both worked most recently, Neil's worked two different 12 step programs, but the addiction recovery program for the church of Jesus Christ, it says in the manual, if you've taken a negative action toward another person, make amends as quickly as possible, cast aside pride and remind yourself that sincerely saying I was wrong is often just as important in healing a relationship as saying, I love you. 
And then it goes on to say, you will continue to make mistakes as you interact with others, but a commitment to step 10 is a commitment to take responsibility for mistakes. If you examine your thoughts and actions each day and resolve them, negative thoughts and feelings will not increase until they threaten your abstinence. You no longer have to live in isolation from the Lord or others. You will have strength and faith to face difficulties and overcome them. Um, and so I feel like that commitment, I feel like we take that really seriously. You know, even when I don't feel like it sometimes, as soon as I'm like, shoot, I'm wrong. I force myself to say, okay, I'm sorry. I know that. And sometimes that comes in a quick form of a text or sometimes it comes in a, I've driven down the road three minutes and I call you and say, I'm sorry. I know I should be doing better. Like I, I know I'm in the wrong. And sometimes here's a big, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I think a big differentiation between where I used to be and where I am now with trying to offer an apology as soon as I know I'm in the wrong is you don't have to like completely admit defeat, I guess. Like I still can feel like, well, I really wish Neil would have gotten Harry right up or gosh, that's not how I would have spent our money on, you know, this detailing, but I can still step back and say, okay, what did I do wrong? And how is that going to, how is that going to damage my relationship with Neil? And what, how high is the cost of rent for that resentment that I'm going to let fester? Like it's, the cost is very high when you let resentment just fester in any relationship. And so that's what I try super hard to examine and say, is it worth it? Is it worth this very high cost of rent? Um, and so this is the quotation that I shared last night on the Tarot Meaningful Mondays because it was what I had looked up on Saturday. And it says, the great enemy of charity is pride. Pride is one of the biggest reasons marriages and families struggle. Pride is short-tempered, unkind, and envious. Pride exaggerates its own strength and ignores the virtues of others. Pride is selfish and easily provoked. Pride assumes evil intent when there is none and hides its own weaknesses behind clever excuses. Pride is cynical, pessimistic, angry, and impatient. Indeed, if charity is the pure love of Christ, then pride is the defining characteristic of Satan. Set aside pride. Sincerely apologizing to your children, your spouse, your family, or your friends is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. Is being right more important than fostering an environment of nurturing, healing, and love? Build bridges. Don't destroy them. Even when you are not at fault, perhaps especially when you are not at fault, let love conquer pride. And Neil truly is better at this than I am. He is better at seeing when he's just like, you know what? It's not worth it. And I'm going to say I'm sorry because I want to have peace in our relationship. And, and that's like a top priority for Neil is having peace in his life where I'm a red blue personality where I have a lot of feelings and I have a lot of passion and, and it is, has taken a lot more practice for me to learn this, but I'm, I'm trying and I feel like it's having a huge effect on all of my relationships. Um, but I, I really like some of the things that he says here again, that it's short tempered and unkind and envious um, exaggerates its own strength and ignores the virtues of others. So just kind of picking that apart. I'm, I look back on these things that I got temporarily frustrated about, which I don't even care about three days later, but in the moment, you know, I could have just looked at, okay, Neil got Harry right up and 
maybe it took him a few minutes to get around to giving him the bottle, but he did listen to me immediately, got Harry up and, um, in the cleaning our car out thing, I could have been like, well, at least I have a husband who really cares about taking care of our things and making sure that they stay nice. And, you know, that's, that would have been the better way. Um, and I love this too. Pride assumes evil intent when there is none and hides its own weaknesses behind clever excuses. And there's never, I will say there's basically no time that I can ever think of where Neil has ever had evil intent. Like he does dumb stuff sometimes, but it's never with evil intent. Okay. And I would like to say the same for myself. Like I do things that are inconsiderate or selfish or unkind, um, or just they're flat out wrong, but I would say they're almost never, hopefully never with evil intent, you know, even if it does bother you or upset you. No, absolutely. No, no, totally, (laughs) totally. I think that's totally true. And I, I don't know, for me at the end of the day, one thing that has really helped me in this area is looking at the, like the recovery phrase is like cleaning up your side of the street. So really it's like, where am I wrong in this situation, regardless of the other person, regardless of, you know, cause I think so much of it comes back to like, who's right and who's wrong. And then that's the argument just burns off of that. You're going back and forth about, well, this, this is where you're wrong. I know you're wrong because of this. And so I think that that concept has really helped me to look at, you know, forget the other person for a minute. Let me just look at myself because really at the end of the day, that's the only person I can control. And let me stop trying to control the other person. Let me just look at where in this situation am I wrong? And there will always be, you know, I, I think few of these situations, there will be, you know, situations where I didn't have some part in it or I'm not having a part in perpetuating it. So looking at that and working on or apologizing for that part where I know that I'm wrong. And that oftentimes is kind of the first thing that I know that I can look at and then, you know, go to the other person or in your, you know, you in this instance and say, Hey, I was wrong in this situation and I'm sorry. the way that I parent too. I'm also not perfect at this, but I try really hard to look for situations where I'm like, that wasn't nice. Like, okay, let's just be honest. Kids can get annoying, right? They're, they just do annoying things sometimes. And like they do things to get attention from us. And, um, there was a time like a week or two ago where one of my kids was doing something that was driving me crazy. And I kind of responded to her in like a mimicking kind of tone because I was just so bugged. And I immediately realized like, that was not nice. That was not kind at all. I would be super embarrassed if Jesus was in our house and saw me acting that way. And so I just said to her, you know what? I'm, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. Um, and I just, I need to do more of that because I don't want my kids to, be afraid of apologizing because I wasn't, because I was too prideful to apologize to them. You know, I want them to see that that's a virtue, that it's a strength, not a weakness to admit when you're wrong. Totally. And I think a lot of the mentality out there is to like 
show perfection or display mm-hmm. like, look, I'm the law. I'm never wrong. I'm always right. Never to show like a vulnerability. But I, I think that the more I've learned and the more I think I hear this a lot from other people is like showing more of that vulnerability because then I think it, it, my, my belief is, is that it shows your child to, you know, to acknowledge how to work through their own mistakes and how to acknowledge their own wrongs and take responsibility and correct those problems. If I can properly model that, that that can be powerful for them and help them to, to, and I've seen that with our kids that they'll, you know, when they do something wrong, that they'll then say that they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like that was my fault or I did this wrong or, you know, and, and then see them work through that process. And so you can model that and it's helpful for them. It's really tender to see that, um, to see them owning, you know, their mistakes and, and caring and wanting to make it right with those around them. And, um, you know, one of our kids had an experience like that at school recently and they came home and, and I was really proud of her for telling me, yeah, I did this. I, I said, I called somebody a name and then I said, I was sorry cause the teacher made me, but then like at lunch I went up to him again and said, I was sorry. And it was a little like proud moment for me as a mom, like, okay, not only did this child of mine want to like, they made amends because the teacher made them, but then like you know, later on in the day of their own accord, they walked up and said they were sorry. And I was like, gosh, I, from my own child, I looked at that and thought I can learn from that and I can, I can be better, you know? And, um, another thing I think from this quotation, I think Neil's really good at this. The, even when you're not at fault, perhaps, especially when you're not at fault, let love conquer pride. And I've seen y'all do this where he has a good reason to be upset with me, or he, um, he knows that I'm freaking out about something just because I didn't freak out this past Saturday. doesn't mean that I haven't before, because that is definitely an easier go-to for me is to have those passionate feelings come up. You feel things very deeply. I feel things deeply. And sometimes when I can look at a situation and see that uh, I have about 85, 90% fault and maybe Neil has 10% fault, he will still come to me with that 10% fault and look for how he's wrong. And it just, it softens my heart, even though I know you know, maybe I'm still upset about something or whatever, and I know I'm in the wrong and it it allows for those barriers to come down and for hearts to be softened. And for me to say, gosh, if, if he's willing to take me not at my best and still offer an apology for something that mostly I was wrong in, then, then what can I do to try to mend this relationship? And, and he's a very good example to me of that. Well, that's nice of you to say, I I wouldn't, think of myself in those terms, but well, it's kind of, it's a little rough here that we're coming off of a situation where we had a, a disagreement that, um, was not as favorable for you. (laughs) That's the (laughs) one that's kind of like usually what I'm wrong. Most of the time I, I think I've accepted that and that's okay. Well, I just think that, um, we have personality differences that often lead to misunderstandings because I'm a planner. Neil's more of a, you know, whatever's in the moment kind of person. And and that can lead to, it's a strength and 
a weakness for our marriage, right? Because in some ways we balance each other out beautifully. And in other ways, we really misunderstand each other. So I think that that leads to, like I said, a lot of strengths in a lot of ways, but it definitely, I think can be more work in some ways where we have to try really hard to understand one another and see things from a different perspective where I don't know what it would be like to be in a marriage where you're both kind of similar. I think that probably would have its own set of challenges, but maybe not as much like a, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, so, so in this talk that I love so much, beware of pride, Ezra Taft Benson says, Selfishness is one of the more common faces of pride. How everything affects me is the center of all that matters. Self-conceit, self-pity, world self-fulfillment, self-gratification, and self-seeking. I feel like that is so a definition of the times that we live in, you know, with our neighbors, with politics, with just about everything. It's kind of like, well, how does this affect me? Well, what's, what's my world going to look like, you know? And when you think about the principle of looking for where you're wrong and admitting it immediately and how that affects your relationships and your happiness level in your life. It has such a high, high output when you're willing to, you know, put forth that like small effort of immediately saying you're wrong. The happiness factor that comes back to you is so fruitful, but it, takes a lot of humility to just look at it and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to see this from someone else's perspective. I'm going to try to step away from how does this affect me? How did this make me feel? How do I see this? How does my life look when someone else did this to me that I didn't like, or they cut me off or they took that parking spot that I wanted or whatever. (laughs) Um, so I, I think that how everything affects me versus how did this affect someone else? It's just one of those like really tricky, tricky mind games that Satan plays with us of like, well, that's, you know, like I have a right, I'm entitled to, I should versus, well, wait a minute, how did this affect someone else? And, and ironically, when you can get out of that mindset and And again, like I have to work on this constantly. There's a reason why I try so hard to constantly study this because I need to improve on it myself. But when you try super hard to see it from someone else's point of view and you offer that as a peace offering or as a way to just show, Hey, maybe I was wrong here or, or I'm just going to look for the one little sliver of what did I do wrong? Even if it's just a small piece, the output of that, the peace and the happiness that you get back in return is tremendous. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think the dividends, it's, um, there's a phrase that I really like in recovery. The measure you give is the measure you get back. Um, and I, but I think it's even exponentially greater in what you get back when you, you know, strive to, I, I like, I like the, 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 the words willingness and striving as far as like trying to do all this stuff, because I, I, I think that it can come off as like, Oh, I figured it out or I had this experience and now I'm, I do it perfectly, mm-hmm. which is not true at all. And, and really that's, that's literally not, a daily struggle. For and me. it's not what 
the whole, you know, what we're down here trying to do is if it was a one and done type of deal, if it was an event, then we would, you know, I'd come to earth and have my event and then I'd, I'd be, I'd be done, but mm-hmm. it's an eternal progression. And that's the beauty of it is it's in that process and in that, that struggle that we can become better. Well, and I would even go as far to say that the people that I look up to the most, the people who I would say, wow, that person really has life figured out. They're really happy. They seem to really be so confident in the right things. Those are the people who are really good at this, who are looking for what they need to admit that they were wrong in and how to make it right every single day. And I would say some of the most unhappy people I know of are those who are pretty on the other side of the spectrum, pretty far over on the side of I'm right. I, I'm not backing down. I'm going to look for all the ways that I am entitled and I, you know, deserve this, that, or the other. Um, and I think it can appear that people like that are really happy and confident. And I think a lot of times underneath those layers, there's a lot of misery and a lot of, um, just sadness or negative things going on underneath the surface. Whereas when I think of people who like Dieter Uchtdorf, you know, someone like that, who you can just see it emulating from his, you know, persona, you can see this happy light about him. It's because people like that have figured out that they need to look for ways that they can be better every single day, admit it to others around them and, and try over and over again to be a little better. I love that president Hinckley would always say, try a little harder to be a little better. You know, it wasn't like try to wake up tomorrow and be perfect. Um, but try a little harder to be a little better. And, and this is just like one very simple thing that I feel like when, when I took this on as a real commitment, it just changed our marriage. And I, it changed so many different situations where in the past I would have said, well, no, but I'm still bugged about this, or I'm still going to hold on to this grudge or this anger or resentment. And it, it ruins the inside of you. It doesn't actually affect the other person. It just, it will just kill you from the inside out spiritually. Um, and your happiness and your peace and, your quality of life in general, when you're looking for ways to hang on to anger or why someone owes you versus just, you know, looking for ways that you can let those things go by trying to say, admit immediately when you're wrong and make it right. And then move on. And just, I I feel like so much peace and happiness is waiting on the other side of an apology. I think that this is something that I've witnessed from an outsider, not really an outsider's perspective, but somebody other, you know, outside of yourself, right, is how you've developed this ability. Because I have, I have noticed that you, and I think that that's something that's always impressed me about you in general, is that you have a unique ability that I think I know that I struggle with this to take something that's very challenging or that doesn't come naturally to you Mm -hmm. and make a decision to change it and then change it. Like that's, that's such a difficult challenge for most people. Um, myself for sure in that, in that wheelhouse, but like I have seen you do this with step 10 where once you grasp the concept and work the steps 
and specifically with step 10 made a decision that you were going to apply this principle, I knew it, it was obvious in our relationship and it was something that, that would happen like frequently that I could tell when you were doing it, when it was like we'd have a fight or there would be some disagreement and then you would come back like really quickly, like literally you take off and then all of a sudden call me on the road. Hey, I'm sorry. Or within a few minutes, I'm like, wow. And it was inspiring. And it, and it is inspiring to me that it's like, you're, you're taking action. You're working and you know, you're working the program. You're doing what we talk about doing all the time in meetings or in chairs or in different interactions that you're taking that step. And then it's, it, it really puts it back on me to remember like, okay, well, you know what? Like I need to do that. And I think that it gives me an opportunity to then be inspired and then take action. So a lot of times all it takes is one person to step forward and, and be the one to kind of present that peace offering and look at, you know, okay, this is where I was wrong. And then that completely can change the trajectory of the conversation or the argument. And like those, those nuggets, like those, those little moments of dropping in an amends here or, or a repair attempt. And then, you know, someone accepting that and then offering their repair attempt, like you can, you can start to piece something back together yeah. and it makes a huge difference and can completely shift the, the momentum of a negative conversation or interaction. I, I definitely agree with that, with that shift. And another part of beware of pride that I really love, I just think these are such wise words from um, President Benson, he says, the central feature of pride is enmity, enmity toward God and enmity toward our fellow men. Enmity means hatred toward hostility to or a state of opposition. It is the power by which Satan wishes to reign over us. And I think that Satan really is so sneaky at making us feel, and, and I see this in communities and in the nation right now, that if you like that, I think it people can kind of take this like power to the people, um, attitude that if you're in a state of opposition or hostility toward another, that you're kind of the one who's in power. And yet I think Satan, it's just like a Satan win. He's just cashing in on the wins over and over when people feel that way versus, um, I, I try so hard to anytime that I feel super frustrated with someone. And especially when I feel like I have no idea how to get myself out of this mentality because I'm so raging mad right now. I try to go to this talk because it usually is like a reset button for me to say, okay, Satan is really winning today with me. He's really convincing me that I'm right. And then I'm going to feel better sitting on my high horse thinking I'm I'm in the right and this person's in the wrong. And usually by the time I'm done reading that talk, basically almost always, I can see where I'm wrong. And there's usually an opportunity for me to choose if I want to, to have more peace and happiness by just offering that apology, even if I'm not totally over the situation. And in doing that, I give myself, um, an opportunity to get back to having the spirit in my life and having the Holy ghost help direct me in, in what I need to do and how I can make it right. Cause you can't, you can't control others. You can't control 
the decisions of others or where they're at mentally, or if they have any desire to also live that way. I think it's an enormous blessing that Neil and I both have taken on that commitment of step 10. And he was better at it than I ever was before taking on that commitment. But I just, I think that we're very, um, it's a blessing because we're both in that situation, but you're going to have people in your life who you love, or maybe who you don't love, who are not in that mentality. And so you can't control another, but you can control where, what your reaction is and how you choose to deal with situations. And, and the minute that I can remember that, oh yeah, Satan's trying to take control of this by having me resent someone or be in a state of opposition, it helps me to remember, okay, so he's winning now. What can I do to reset that? What can I do to bring the spirit back in my life? What can I do to have instead Heavenly Father help me to see this other person as a child of God and how I can treat them the way the savior would treat them. And, and that's the answer every single time. Yeah. Is looking at it. Yeah. I like that. I mean, looking at yourself and really looking inwardly and, and looking at where am I, where am I wrong? And what can I do to, you know, with the situation and what can I control? And I think that there are a lot of different thought processes out there and a lot of different ways to say it. I mean, the serenity prayer comes to mind, you know, help me to control what I can control and surrender the rest. And then, Wait, say the whole thing. A lot of people don't know the surrender. Oh, prayer. I guess I just throw it out as like common knowledge. But um, the the prayer is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. Um, and so, in a in a tough moment or a challenging situation, um, a lot of people that I know and in, in you know programs and whatnot will say that prayer, and you recite that out loud. And that's something that I'll still say to myself, just to remind myself of um, that I you know look to God for that strength to be able to differentiate the things that I can control and what I can't control. Cause oftentimes what I'm obsessing over or what I'm frustrated about are things that I have no power over. Um, so letting God take care of those and then helping to, you know, asking him to help me get the focus on those things that I do have power to control and put my energies there and have the courage to take those on. Cause sometimes that means looking at myself and that's, uh, it's a lot harder than pointing the finger at somebody else. And I just want to say too, the courage, the part where it says the courage to do the things you can, or, or to change the things you can, there's certainly many, many situations in life where you have to do hard things that aren't going to make other people happy. So this isn't all about just always walk around and people please and do whatever, you know, you feel like is going to make other people happy because there are things that I've had to do that are really hard that, um, require putting my needs, you know, of my own health and well-being first, or my kids' needs first, or Neil's needs first, that aren't necessarily going to please other people. And it's not about that, but it is about always looking at: Did I do that in a way that I would that I would be embarrassed for the Savior to see the way that I conducted myself? And I think anytime you ask yourself that and there's correction that you know needs to be made, you know, that's where apologies, quick apologies, making amends is going to bring peace and happiness into your life. So just wanted to, you know, bring that into. So do you have any final thoughts on this topic that I sprung on you that you so graciously handled? So thank you for that. Final thoughts. Um, 
I think just in general, where am I wrong is the question that I always try and ask myself and what I'm striving to do more of. And it's, it's just hard. And usually, um, that's followed up by once I see that there is a contrary action that I have to take, basically something that I have to do that's opposite of what I feel like doing. And that's, you know, it's in those moments where I'm frustrated or we're in a fight or whatever, like the last thing you want to do is come forward with, okay, here's where I'm wrong. And I'm going to speak to that and only that, and I'm going to apologize for it. And boom, that's it. Um, but that's where the power comes. And I think that's where things really can, can come together and peace can come into a situation. Um, so I'm going to turn your question around that you always ask people on the podcast. If there's one thing that you want someone to take away from this episode, what one thing would that be? I hope that I can remember this every day for the rest of my life. And I hope that somehow we can teach our kids this, whether it's by example or, you know, by sitting them down and actually telling them about this concept, but that I hope I can master this, that when you apologize to the people you love as quickly as possible, the payout is so huge and the rent is so high when you instead hold on to resentment and that if you can see the bigger picture and apologize quickly that you'll just be happier. You'll have so much more peace and happiness and joy and those fruits of the spirit that we all want to live by. And that it's one of Satan's trickiest tricks is to make us feel like, you know, we're getting something out of being resentful or being right or holding on to pride or holding on to anger. And really that's just not the savior's way when we can let go of those things and, and have the courage to be wrong that we're just so much happier. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And thank thank you you for sharing your answer to your question. (laughs) Glad to spin that around on you. Thanks Neil. 